SMQB's episode 122, right? 122? Is that where we are, yes. guys? Yeah, I think that's where yeah. we are. It's, uh, it's been fast and furious lately. Everybody, we are down two tonight, down the milkman and down rooster. Uh, Pope is back after a, a little hiatus, right, Pope? And I'm back, little sandwich. I'll, I'll be out next week, but uh, you got me today. I'm ready right. to go. Fired up. House is always here. Um, so guys, <laughs> it's, nowhere to go. Um, nowhere to go for house. Hey, who knows what year the first major league baseball all-star game was played? Hmm, that's a good one. I'm hoping you're covering up something in your logo behind you that says what number game this is. Nope, it doesn't say that. Some, it doesn't say some, sometime in the 40s would be my guess. Uh Not bad. That's a, wrong. That's a good wrong. Guess. Not bad, uh, but wrong. So I I would say. We are in like, I would say we're in this about somewhere around the 70th edition of the All-Star Game. Okay. 53? Yeah, 50s. Um, that was a dumber answer than Pope's, so that's okay. It, 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 go, it went before? Yeah. Were yeah, yeah. So the it was first, pre-World, pre-World War II in, the, the, in uh, the 30s. The first All-Star Game was held July 6, 19. 19- 33 at Comiskey Park as part of the 1933 World's Fair. Wow. And it was such a successful event that they did it every year. In fact, from 1959 to 1962, they played two all-star games because what's better than one but two? And they uh, they were actually using the money to fund the players' pension fund. And then the greedy owners decided that they would just give more of the money from the all-star game to the pension fund so they would just play one game. Uh, but they did play two games from 59 to 62. So there you go. But this is not the 90th because they had a pause during the war. Probably right. Right. That's true. Yeah. So I don't even know if they they even count like which one this is. Or is it just All-Star Game 2023? Uh, I don't know. Somebody will tell you what number it is at some point. But why do you have to, you have to ask so many goddamn questions? Bro? But I, I, I gave I, you 33. <laughs> Wasn't that enough? I have yeah. a question for you guys. Okay. So a lot of our listeners are going to hear this pod probably tomorrow sitting on the beach somewhere. And when you guys go to the beach, what is your favorite sport to do on the beach? Is it throwing a football, playing wiffle ball? Is it throwing a frisbee? Is it volleyball, the paddle ball game? What's your beach sport? It's a good question. Lifting six packs. <laughs> okay, well that was obvious for you. <laughs> my I have to say my my sort of gut reaction uh from growing up is paddle paddle ball, paddleboard ball. Yeah, that's a good one. Mine's bocce ball. We always play. Bocce ball? Yeah, bocce is always fun. You throw that thing as far as you can in the sand, you know, see see how far you can get uh, close to it. Yeah. What about you? I think there's nothing better than throwing a football on the beach. I think that is like that is relaxation. So hmm. maybe our listeners will let us know what they did on the beach this week. All right. So um, we are on a, a holiday night here. We've got a, the, the, the big July 4th tomorrow. 
Um, so we are going to keep this nice and tidy. And, you know, sports are in that, that sort of we're hitting, hitting the, uh, the dog days of summer soon, the all-star break coming up. Uh, we are going to just have baseball, baseball, baseball. But before we hit that part of the summer, let's cover a little NBA free agency. Uh, Pope, we're going to start with the West Coast because, you know, you guys gripe on the West about East Coast bias. So we'll let you take <laughs> it off. What talk, talk West Coast? Well, I mean, we, uh, NBA we got, how, I don't know we? how many NBA championships in a row. You know, we got the. We got Denver. We got the Warriors. Uh, you know, you go go down the list. Um, I think the biggest. Uh, I, I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons earlier today, and and I'm not sure I agree with him, but I think it's it's fascinating how the Lakers have pulled off uh, the impossible, which is re-signing pretty much their entire team um, with uh, uh, the limitations that they had going into the off season. So. Uh, you know, they got Austin Reeves, Machiara, and D'Angelo Russell all re-signed. Um, and they added in Cam Reddish, maybe for a little uh, a little backup. So uh, maybe the Lakers are, you know, you don't expect the Lakers to have the same problem starting like they did last year. So maybe the Lakers are a legit top five, top four team in the West because they were able to maintain their team. Um, you know, they the other one that they got, what, which really impressed me. I, I was also impressed who they were able, all that stuff that they were able to hold on to. They got, you know, the NBA Finals wonder who came out of nowhere, Gabe Vincent from the Heat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. He's a, uh, he'll hit the three when it matters. I mean, you know, so, uh, and he's got good experience under his belt. Um, you know, the team that's going to be, well, there's a lot of teams next year is going to be a fascinating year across the board, but the Rockets are going to be fun to watch. Yes. I mean, Ime Odoka is good. <laughs> He's got a fun team, and he, and he just brought Van Fleet, who is the highest paid undrafted player now in NBA history at a three-year, $130 million contract. Wow. Um, and I'm, I am sure the Toronto's in, in shock uh, at losing Van Fleet. Um, I'm not sure they all saw that coming, but uh, that's probably the biggest free agent signing in the West right now. I mean, you got Kyrie, who uh, re-signed uh, with my Mavs three years for 126 million. Couple things about that contract: one, not a max deal, could have been five years, 200 and I think 26 million dollars, and <clears throat> the Mavs uh, wisely chose to see if they could limit. Uh, that because that would have been a huge albatross going forward. It was good for Kyrie because he's got a player option in year three, which ironically, not tied to Luca's contract. So their mm. their contracts are going to be if Kyrie selects player option, they'll be up at the same time. Um, so this is kind of a two year window really for the Mavs to to make a run with Kyrie and Luca. Uh, and then what you know they had a good draft. You guys talked about that. I was actually surprisingly impressed you you thought Mavericks had a good draft they did uh, and then and they added you know it's it's a, a he's a role player but he's a key one they added Seth Curry for his third tour with Dallas guy can knock down the three uh which is what the Mavericks perimeter sorely needed last year so um and then how can you not talk about the Suns uh Rooster uh, called it on the text string he said signing of Eric Gordon cements the Suns as a favorite in the West not sure about that, but you know, you do add add him to the big three with KD, uh, Book, and Beal, uh, and they're going to be interesting to watch. But I'm just I don't know about their uh, 
their bit players uh, if they have enough um, just with their stars to do what they want to do. The Grizzlies, they kept Desmond Bain, who's a surprising, you know, not not surprising anymore, but he's he came out of nowhere and he is a one of the true stars uh, up and rising in the NBA. Five year, two hundred seven million, which is a forty one point four million dollar contract. So clearly the Grizz are going all in with Desmond and more importantly, potentially they signed Derrick Rose to a two year deal. And they're looking at Derrick Rose also as maybe an influencer um, leader in the locker room that's going to help uh, with Ja and and get him right with ball. So we'll see. Warriors re-signed Desmond, uh, uh, Draymond Green, which was not a surprise. Um, Denver lost Bruce Brown uh, to the Pacers. He was a key role player. Um, and so, you know, from a West standpoint, uh, I, I would say maybe, you know, the, the Rockets – uh, and of course the the Spurs because of the way they had the dra- had the draft. I mean, th- there's some teams that are coming from below, and the Mavs didn't make the playoffs. Uh, they're going to threaten uh, for the bottom tier of that five to eight, you know, nine slots in the in in the West. So, uh, free agency not over yet because obviously we've got some big names out there because Portland's going to lose probably Dame, uh, and and I'm I'm sure that. Uh, House is going to talk about that because it looks like he's going to land somewhere in the East. Um, and he's he's probably the biggest, he along with Harden, are the two biggest unsigned free agents. So take it away, House. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, that the, the story of free agency is what's yet to happen because where Dame and Harden land and what happens surrounding them is going to send shockwaves to the NBA because it's going to require pieces to move. Like you talk about the Suns, and I just... I think Aiton is moving. I think Aiton is going to be a piece of a move that happens with one of these uh, big moves yet to happen. Um, I think I think the story, something I, I reflected upon with the NBA free agency and why the NBA is working so well right now is because it gives you a chance for your star players to keep watching them and having them stay with your team. It was a big shot shocked that Van Vliet left Toronto and why they're so devastated about it. But I think the story of a lot of the free agency is the players that stayed uh, because the NBA gives the team that has the player under contract a little bit of a leg up. They can give a little bit more to the player to keep them. And if money is the name of the game, the player is going to stay for more money and, and stay at home where, where, where they know when they know the team, they know the coach. So unless it's a coach issue or something else, they're likely to stay. So I think the big story in uh, the East were some of the players that actually stayed. Uh, I mean, we can start with with Bison. I, I was I was shocked that Kuzma stayed uh, with the Wizards. I mean, he he has untapped potential. We've seen it a lot of times in his career. Maybe not over a complete full season, but there's flashes of not just good player, but stardom and. Where that team is going, it's he's now he's no longer a super young player. He's not quite a veteran. He's just in that right age to bring along some of those young guys without being an old grayhead. And I, I was very impressed. I thought Kuzma was going to move. Um, the Hornets signed Lamelo Ball to a max contract, and the team, the teams to watch. One of the teams to watch. Um, up and coming, not maybe for the next couple of years, because I still think it's going to rotate 
around the Celtics and the Bucks and the Heat, maybe the Sixers, we'll see. But the Pacers are making moves. They, I think other than um, SGA in Oklahoma City, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, I think one of the best young players in all of the NBA is Tyrese Halliburton. I think he has a chance to be a superstar. They signed him to a max contract. They added Bruce Brown, as Pope said. They added Obi Toppin from the Knicks for a couple second rounders, who's a nice backup. They had the kid that came out of Arizona uh, a couple years ago, Benedict Mathorn, who was a rookie all-star, rookie all-star, and they have Buddy Heald. They got and and, and, the, and Miles Turner. They've got a lot, a lot of pieces. Um, I think um, the Cavs have been making some interesting moves. They signed two really good three-point shooters uh, in George Niang from the Sixers and Max Struess from that Heat team. Yep. And I think, um, you know, they've already got, you know, a great center, um, a super guard in Garland. I think the Cavs are going to make some moves forward. Other than that, uh, it was a little quiet. The Knicks signed Dante DiVincenzo. Interesting story there is they now have Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart and Dante DiVincenzo. They certainly mm-hmm. will know how to play one, with one another from that Villanova team. Um, interestingly, I think on the East, a lot of the moves were made around getting three-point shooters. That's where the NBA is going. Um, the Sixers, it's going to be interesting. They they signed Pat Beverly from the Bulls for one-year deal. He'll be an irritant. but. I think, as Pope said, everything is about where Dane is going. And I think it's likely to be in the East. Um, No teams in the West are in the mix right now. I I mean, you can never really rule out the Suns and the Clippers because they have pieces to move around. Well, the Lakers. The Lakers and Oklahoma City have pieces, too. I just think it's it's like this. What they've been saying is the, the Heat or the Sixers or the Clippers. And, you know, um, he wants to go to the Heat. He's made that very clear. He likes Embiid a lot. But when Embiid gave a press conference where he said some interesting things about me and Harden can't do it all, uh, Dame actually tweeted that and just said, huh? Like, how do you like kind of quasi throw your teammates under the bus? And so I don't know. Uh, you look, Dame can't stop the trade, but the Sixers have pieces they can offer if the if Portland's interested in Tobias Harris, if Portland's interested, um, it's possible the Sixers are saying they will not dangle Tyrese Maxey. But look, Dame's a guy that will change the whole face of the team. Scored 80 points last year. Can turn it on at any time. He's never been surrounded with that much greatness. And if he's surrounded by great players, that team automatically moves into a top two or three. So I, I agree. Everything's going to surround where where does Dame go? Where does Harden go? And does it take three teams at least to do it. You had to be happy with Kuz staying in DC. Bison. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, we went from, okay, we got rid of Beal. We didn't really get much, but at least we committed to the rebuild and we're going to suck for a couple of years, like really suck to wait a minute. We could be like a fun team next year. I mean, I don't think we are going to contend for anything. I mean, maybe, a you know, the play in tournament or whatever it is, but, um, but Kuzma and, and uh, Tyus Jones and, and cool. I mean, that's kind of fun. And then you throw in some of the shooters like uh, 
Denny Avija and and um, Corey Kispert, who we have. I mean, I don't know. It, it could be kind of a fun team and see what they do. Uh, and then you know, Bialy, watch, we'll see what he does. Um, you know, he's like like we talked about last week. I mean, he's pretty young and don't expect to see too much from him. I, it's going to be a fun season. It's actually going to be a fun season, and and it won't reflect necessarily in a lot of wins, but it's going to be kind of fun to watch these guys and see, you know, okay, are these three guys who we can really build around? Uh, they they could have like a, a homegrown big three, arguably, um, but it's going to take time and see what they have and how they work together. But yeah, I, I mean, term- it's, it's it's the most fun time to be a Wizards fan since I can remember. And again, I don't. I'm not saying that because I think we're going to contend for anything right away. But it at least feels like there's something to be excited about, and there's some hope. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, think, I just think I think the NBA next year is going to be fun, and it's going to be fascinating to see how these all these different new players work in the mix and how it's going to go. Yeah, I, I think that the guys to to look for that are big names they're still likely to move. Like I said, DeAndre Ayton, I think will move. Yeah. I think we're going to see probably Zach Levine move. I think he's going to be a piece of something. And I think we're going to see Tobias Harris. And these are guys, you know, that these are guys that are close to 20 and 10 guys that are, that have been on all-star teams. So in re- recent years, so I, I, you know, I think that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the thing to watch. I think these other big players still being parts of bigger, bigger trades or bigger moves. Yeah. And of course, none of this, none of this really matters because, you know, about halfway through the season, they'll start buying players out and moving around and none of these teams will uh, look like they do right now anyway. So it'll be totally different anyway. Right. Ah, So so true. Yeah. All right. Nothing else on NBA. Well, uh, let's talk a little baseball all-star week coming up, right? We're, we're rounding out the, not really the first half of the season. I think we're past the halfway point. Uh, but more or less the halfway uh, part of the season. We've got uh, the Summer Classic coming up. And I, I've, you know, I think I talked about it. Gosh, I mean, is this our second or third All-Star game going around since we've we've been doing this? Yeah. It might, I think it's it a, might whatever it is. Number three, maybe. I think it's three. But, you know, we had the All-Star game here in D.C. a couple of years ago. And it's a fun event and I like the way I like what baseball is doing with it um just so you guys know like here's the here's really the schedule of everything so you've got I mean it's really all-star week at this point um you've got the like when is the I'm trying to see here where I had the schedule up a minute ago here we go okay so Friday you have you have the uh, inaugural HBCU Swingman Classic. Mm. Um, it's an all-star experience highlighting the history and legacy of programs at historically black colleges and universities, uh, while also providing some 50 uh, HBCU Division I players with opportunity to show, showcase their talents. Uh, so that's something to watch. Uh, that That's there in that's Seattle, great. which is kind of cool. They, you know, they come into the city, they set up all this stuff. Uh, you're going to have a celebrity softball game that, uh, speaking of the NBA, Zach Levine's playing in. Then you have the Futures game, and that's on Saturday also. And the Futures game has gotten to be a lot of fun, uh, particularly for the teams that you know that you're expecting to see some big time players come out of your out of your minor league teams. And then is the Futures Sunday, game just is the Futures game just limited 
to the minor league players. It's not like rookie players in correct. In okay, correct, correct. It's just minor leaguers. Uh, and then on Sunday, the ninth, we have the draft. So you know they've really rolled all these things into a big week of of baseball while the while the games are getting played. So Saturday, the ninth, is the draft, uh, and then on the tenth, you have the home run derby, and then of course on the eleventh is is the game. And so the home run derby. I feel like uh, they me, lined up a lot of big names this year for the home yeah, run derby. Yeah, let me tell you who's playing in the in the home run derby or hitting. It's going to be Adley Rousman from the Orioles, who's really all-world catcher. Pete Alonzo. Randy Arena from the Rays. Mookie Betts. So that's wow. a big name to be in it. Uh, Vlad Jr. from the Blue Jays. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me. Big name. And... I, and uh, Julio Rodriguez, J Rod from the Mariners. Yeah. So the hometown, hometown favorite. So that right now is the lineup for the home run derby. But those are some big names. I mean, huge. You know, you you had a little bit of a stretch there where the big guys really didn't jump into it and didn't play or didn't swing the bat. Uh, and I've told you guys, I mean, the 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 time in DC when Bryce won it was really one of the best sporting events that I've been to. And it came down to like the last two swings as the clock was ticking down. So it was, it was exciting in general. Um, so the, the, that's kind of everything that's happening around it. Let's talk about who's going to be playing in it for a second. Um, here are the, the lineups. Okay. So let me see here. Hold on. All right. For the American league, uh, your Texas Rangers. Yeah, basically. I mean, who is your catcher? Who's this guy? John Heim. Jonah Heim, yeah. Jonah, Jonah, sorry, Jonah Heim uh, is the catcher from the Rangers. Yandy Diaz from the Rays. Uh, Marcus Semien from the Rangers at second. That was a Josh, big signing. Corey Josh Seager. Jung from, from the Rangers at third base. Corey Seager, shortstop from the Rangers. Mike Trout, of course. Aaron Judge, who actually won't be playing because of injury. Uh, Randy Reyes Arena. Yeah, he hurt his little toe. Uh, Reyes Arena from the Rays in the outfield. And then Otani is, of course, DH and pitcher. Uh, and then those are the starters. Um, so, you know, backups. Judge, you know who's going to replace Judge? Well, who's that? Who's that? Adolis Garcia from? The Rangers? The Rangers. Uh, Rangers. He was the wow. next closest on uh, on the vote. So then we've got... Um, are, are you sure that's going to happen, though? Because that's not necessarily how it works for outfielders. That's what they've been. That's what I've been reading. I mean, okay. Whether... So, because we're going to talk about a couple snubs in a second. So then the other, the backups, the reserves in the American League are Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., Whit Merrifeld, uh, Brent Rooker, Jose Ramirez, Adley Rauschman, Salvador Perez, uh, Luis Robert, Austin Hayes, Jordan Alvarez, who's also hurt, uh, Adolis Garcia. So I guess he's already, he's already on. He's a, he's a, he's reserve. a reserve. He's a reserve. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying he's going to start. I got you. Yeah, he's going to start. I got you. I got you. Okay. Yenier Cano, uh, Kenley Jansen, Felix Bautista, Emmanuel Clace, uh, Michael Lorenzen, Framer Valdez, Shane McClanahan, Kevin Gaussman, Luis Castillo, Garrett Cole, Nathan Evaldi, and Sonny Gray. Those are your, uh, that's your full American League team in the National League. Your starters are Sean Murphy from the Braves, a catcher, Freddie Freeman. From the Dodgers at first, Luis Arreyes. I'm not even saying that right, but it's like base from the Marlins. from the Marlins, who's about, you know he's he slipped under 390 now, but he's right. he was flirting at 400 for a while. 
Uh, Orlando Arcia from the Braves at short. Boo. Acuna from the Braves. Boo. Corbin Carroll from the Diamondbacks, the, the rookie from the Diamondbacks. Mookie Betts from the Dodgers. J.D. Martinez from the Dodgers. The reserves are uh, Elias Diaz from the Rockies. Will Smith from the Dodgers. Ozzy Albies from the Braves. Matt Boo. Olson from the Braves. Boo. Austin Riley from the Braves. Pete Boo. Alonso from the Mets. Dansby Swanson from the Eight Cubs. Braves. Juan Soto from the Padres. Boo. Nick Castellanos. Uh, Lords Guriel Jr. from the Diamondback. Uh, Camilo Duvall from the Giants. Devin Williams from the Brewers. Alexi Diaz from the Reds. Josh Hader uh, from who's Hader with now? He's with the Padres. Um, great ever. Zach Gellin from the Diamondbacks. Clayton Kershaw, Dodgers. Marcus Stroman from the Cubs. Justin Steele from the Cubs. Spencer Strider from the Braves. Josiah Gray from your Washington Nationals. Bryce Elder from the Braves. And Mitch Keller from the Pirates. So those so are do your... the Rangers beat the Braves in the All-Star game? Right. Basically, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Um, can we talk about Wander Franco? Not yeah, Milk. The milk yeah, what's up with that? Write it down. I mean, Wander Franco will be your MVP per Patrick McMilk Michler. Yeah. Um, he was that feels like two a weeks ago. Snub. Um, that feels like a pretty good snub, though. Because um, Franco, I think, has like the second highest, um, maybe the second highest uh, war behind uh, Shohei Otani. And he's not even on the team right now. Now, He'll probably get one of the spots on there. Uh, I think the other big one is Fernando Tatis, which a lot of people feel like that snub has a lot to do. Um, little character issues with just some character issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and honestly, another guy, and I'm gonna be a little homer here, but Lane Thomas from the Nats kind of was a was a little bit of a snub. I mean, he's having a really great year. Uh, I think he's pretty much for outfielders. He's in the top five in all production numbers across all outfielders uh, in any stat you want to look at uh, this year. So he's got a little bit of a gripe too. Um, also, you could probably say that uh, uh, Goldsmith, Goldsmith from Arizona, he's got a gripe. I mean, he's not having his greatest year ever, but um, you know, with his career in the past, you sort of would have thought to see him on there. So uh, I don't know. Juan guys... Soto has made it. Yeah, Juan Soto made it. He shouldn't. Have made Should it. he have? Guys... I mean, yes. You guys are looking at like one stat. You look at. You're looking at average. He's like fifth in in WAR. He walks He's a like... lot. He walks a lot. He scores a lot of runs. I mean, his WAR and his uh, OPS plus, and I mean every advanced stat. He's in the top five on. Who's having a better year, him or Tatis? Oh, I think uh, Soto is. Okay. I think Craig Kimbrell is a little bit of a snub, if I'm being a homer. Kimbrell? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been lights out. He hasn't blown a save. Uh, he doesn't have the number of saves, but I think Kimbrell is a little bit of a snub. Um, but overall, I thought when I saw the lineups, it wasn't it wasn't like any gross, gross snub out there. Maybe yeah. Patrice. I thought they yeah. kind of got it right. I think so, too. I didn't think that there yeah. wasn't like a massive uh, snub. Yeah. So, so I forget, I think it happened, but Otani has 
both pitched and hit in an all-star game before. I, I think that's remember. right. I yeah. think so. He hadn't started, has he? As I don't, a, oh, as a, as a starting pitcher? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I don't think he will this year. I mean, he shouldn't no. probably. Right. Right. So I don't know. I think they I think they got it right. I think it's fun the way they're um the way they're doing everything. Um, you know, rolling all these different things into one weekend. I mean, obviously you've always had the home run derby, but they've just made it a bigger sort of event now with the draft on Sunday, which is which you know, it seems like maybe I'm just following it more closely than usual, but it seems like there's been a lot of hype around some of the guys coming out of college this well, year. It certainly so. helped that they were the best players of the college world series. Yeah. I mean, that gave yeah. a lot of hype. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, um, beyond the top five, I mean, I, I don't even know if I can name the top five. Beyond that, though, you think there's much interest? I don't know. Maybe not. It just it seems like people are sort of into, you know, the College World Series was fun. People, it got a lot more attention than than I feel like it has in the past on ESPN and, uh, and just in the media in general. And so, I don't know, maybe I'm just paying more attention to it, but. I think it's fun. I think it's great what baseball is doing. And it is still the, to me, it's the best all-star game experience because you do now granted interleague play is taking some of this away because it, you know, it used to be that you just didn't get to see these pitching hitter matchups. Now you can see them, but still, you know, you still get the best one-on-one matchups from any of the other games right i mean the basket the nba all-star game is an joke. offensive just a track meet uh i don't even know what the nfl does anymore it's like a beach you know volleyball tournament at this point <laughs> and yes. and hockey does i mean if a tree falls in the woods does, and doesn't make a noise does, any, does it make a noise right i mean that's the kind of thing about the nhl all-star weekend take um, that moose jaw yeah i, I mean still so, think baseball is just like a smidgen away from making it great because they're there was a time when the players cared about it and they tried really hard to win that game. And maybe it was that it was, you know, one league versus another, but uh, the players aren't really playing that hard to win. They're just having a good time. And uh, I think if, I think they draw more viewers if it was like, if it, not that it should count for something, that was a terrible thing when they did that, that the team who won the all-star game, that league. Yeah, that was terrible. That was a terrible idea. Hosted the world. But don't you think Pete Alonso? Don't you Awful. think Pete Alonso wants to take Otani deep? I mean, I think when those guys are digging in at the at the plate, they're trying to. I mean, they they want to get a hit yeah. off those all star pitchers. Yeah. So I mean, I'll tune in. It should be fun. Yeah, it'll be a good time. So, um, all right. Anything else on on all star game? All right, let's just get into it then. Who's got a punch? Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kuja with a triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. I got a punch. All right, Maybe. let's hear it. I got one, too. I got two, I think. But let's hear it, Pope. All right, well, I'm going to punch a mouse. Are you planning on punching a mouse? No. Okay. Yes. uh, Sorry, boys and girls, but I am going to punch Mickey fucking mouse right in the mouth. Oh, yeah. For Walt Disney's uh, inexcusable conduct this week in 
uh, pressuring ESPN to slash uh, their announcing core, and we got we we're going to be deprived of some of the best uh, announcers in the business. And uh, Jeff Van Gundy is probably the the one that most people are looking at. Um, he's been with them since 2007. He, Mike Breen, and Mark Jackson have been the troika that have been announcing games uh, in the finals for for years and we've grown very accustomed to hearing and uh, I really have enjoyed the the back and forth between uh, Jackson and, and Van Gundy and you know Breen's a, a consummate uh, play-by-play guy uh, so I'm really going to miss that and um, you know Van Gundy uh, 16 years of service to the mouse should have uh, been treated better I, I think uh, but we're also losing some other talent that's uh we're almost upcoming talent, Jalen Rose, who I really enjoy listening to talk about NBA, um, especially like during, you know, some of the more controversial things like jaw uh, and the gun culture and things like that. Jalen's been, been really interesting to listen to losing him or losing Lafonso Ellis, who is a, in my opinion, one of the best uh, college basketball analysts, um, whether it's, it's doing a, uh, you know, the ACC games or just an analysis uh, with a round table. Um, I'm going to miss him too. Uh, sure. He'll land on his feet. He's a, he's a true talent. And then Susie Colbert. I love Susie who, Colbert. Who's I been know. with ESPN for years. And one of the faces that I, th- and I think of, you know, the women um, announcers for ESPN uh, and analysts uh, and in journalists is, uh, is also going and, you know, I, I obviously I, I don't I don't know what the finances are for the mouse. And, you know, he's certainly under attack, I guess, in Florida for you know, some of these policies. But that being said, I, I don't think it uh, I don't think they should have to slash the ESPN uh, group as much as they did. And uh, I think it's a loss for all of us to not have those guys. There's some others. Chris Chelios for the NHL. I was getting cut. Neil Everett, who was a very popular uh, Sports Center, um, what really Neil Everett? Neil Everett's yep. gone. Todd yep. Shea. Yep. So um, there's a big punch for you, uh, Disney. Um, you know, ESPN is a treasure. You guys need to treat it as such. Uh, you'll you'll lose a lot of sports fans if you continue on this path. Govern yourself That's accordingly. That's a yeah. great one. You're, you're going to be adding to a punch one day, whether it's a year from now, two years from now, because the reason I think this is being done is because ESPN is getting killed by people cutting the cord. And yeah. the ESPN basically wants to have its own streaming service. They're already talking about it so that you would just like everything else that you would buy Netflix, Netflix or HBO Max or whatever Paramount, you'd get an ESPN package. And if people cut the cord, whatever, every time the cord is cut, that's another cable portion of your bill that doesn't get sent to ESPN. And eventually when we have to pay for ESPN separately, I, I want Pope to be able to have that punch too. Mickey the Dicky. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, along with that, I, Bison and I were talking about that house where you came on. Uh, I, I'd like to reiterate my punch against Bally's because Bally's has tied up all these uh, baseball teams and their regional networks, and they're not providing them to the streaming. Because I cut the cord. I've got YouTube TV. I cannot watch my beloved Rangers in their run to the pennant this year 
because Bally's is not on YouTube TV. Uh, Bally's is not on Hulu. Bally's is not on any of the streaming services, uh, and they, they need to fix that. Bally's is in bankruptcy, and yet somehow they're able to still have a monopoly on the regional uh, networks. So there's another punch. Nice. Hooper. I, I got I got two uh two punches. One, uh, you know, he's he's given um Dan Snyder a run for his money, uh, but Max Verstappen again. Oh so my Max, God. Max Verstappen, you know, this guy is gonna be, I mean, he's gonna lock up the world championship, the driver championship with like nine races to go, right? I mean, he is just having such an unbelievable season. And his teammate, air quotes, Sergio Perez has had just kind of a bad run uh, of, of a little bad luck and a little bad driving lately. Um, and, you know, for Sergio, he's competing to see where he can come in in the driver's championship. And he had this, this past weekend, Sergio had the fastest lap. There were two laps to go. In the uh, at the at the Red Bull ring, right? The what was this? The Austrian Grand Prix, yep. and Verstappen, who's twenty seconds, twenty five seconds ahead of of Charles Leclerc, who came in second. Um, he wants the fastest lap point, so he comes in. He gets on the radio and says, "I want to come in for soft tires for new soft, so I can set the fastest lap." And you know the the, the guys, the engineers, and Christian Horner, are like, yeah probably not the best idea you're up you know 25 seconds something bad could happen and and he says no i want that point now there's something about competitiveness i get it and these guys are great because when they have their foot on your throat they step down harder but that one point means a whole lot more to his teammate sergio perez than it does to him and it certainly is going to show up you know meaning a lot more to perez at some point whether he finishes second, third, or fourth in the driver's championship. So Verstappen for coming in and taking that point just because you could, you get a punch. You well, definitely get what a punch. An unnecessary risk. I mean, yeah. You know, you got a, a, a lug go loose, you got a, a, a jack doesn't work. I mean, they were playing with fire, and, you know, it's almost like I, maybe Red I Bull, know. maybe Red Bull's getting a little. A little too much of itself. I, I think Christian Horner could have said no, Max. I think Christian enjoyed the moment as well. So you know, yeah. Well, that's true. Although that I have to say, I sort of admire. I mean, they are so good that they didn't even. I mean, he didn't sweat for one second that his team was going to let him down if he came in. And you know what? It was a two point three second. Pit no, it was. It was amazing. The fastest of the year but for him or it, something. It's such a good punch because do you remember earlier in the year when we gave a punch? To Giannis for that fake rebound that could get him the triple double. Yes, yes, very similar. It, when these guys are greedy to just get that one extra stat, it's annoying. Max does yeah. not need that point, and especially in a team game, what a jerk! And, and, I mean, and, Max. Max wanted the trifecta. He wanted the sprint. He wanted the, yes. the the Grand Prix. And he wanted the fastest lap. He got every possible point he wanted. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I mean, I get it. They're competitive. They're they're uber competitive, but. What a punchable face. And then I, the other punch I got to throw to here is just for the, the Red Bull ring in general. I mean, oh God. House, you said it, you know, the, the during the sprint, I guess during the qualifying, there was like 42 uh, laps deleted because of um, track limits. And 
I mean, the track limit penalties were so prevalent that after the race was over, the entire order got shuffled, basically, when they started giving out all the different penalties. I mean, guys dropped, guys, you know, ended up higher, like Lando ended up in fourth because of the number of of track uh, limit penalties that were given out. I I don't know if you guys saw the whole finish was scrambled. Yep. Uh, after the race, because of the number of time penalties given out. So first of all, it's and I, I finally heard an interview today where somebody said that that when Michael Massey was the was the race director, he basically said you had to keep your one of your tires off the curb. And now the new race director is the one who's saying you got to keep part of it over the white line. And that's one of the reasons we're seeing so many more uh, track limits penalties is because of the, that interpretation of the rule. Mm. But I mean, come on. I mean, geez, they're, you know, these guys are the greatest drivers in the world and you're, it's not just one time over the line, you get a penalty, you get like five, you know, five times over and then you get a penalty. And some guys were getting 10 second and 15 second penalties. I mean, it's true, crazy. But, it, but not a, not a guy on the podium exceeded the track limits. That's so what true. does that tell you? Yeah, that's a, I mean, if if you're disciplined and you know what the track is, you don't exceed it. That's no, how you science, on the podium. But science, my driver yesterday cost <laughs> Ferrari some serious contractors uh, points. Yeah, constructors points. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he got he got knocked down from four to six. Yep. All right. Well, those are my punches. House, do you have a punch? I know you got a lasso. I don't have a punch. Let's get a uh, lasso. You know, uh, we always give lassos to like people who are like giving money from their salary to like a village in Africa or visiting a hospital and doing really good things or coming back from cancer and returning to the mound or something like that. This week, the lasso goes to a guy who's just true to himself and is not going to change who he is and still can do really good. Jason Kelsey, the all-star center for the Philadelphia Eagles, has an annual charity that this year is in its third year, and it's been growing by leaps and bounds. It's a it's a celebrity bartender day down the New Jersey shore, in particular Seattle City, and it raises money for the Philadelphia Eagles Autism Foundation. And they do a lot of great stuff for autism and autistic kids through the Autism Foundation. And Jason Kelsey went down chugging beers against people, serving jello shots, and basically getting a lot of people plastered to the tune of $380,000. Wow. That's, that's a lot. It's a lot of money to be raised yeah. for just party, partying down the shore. So I just thought it was kind of humorous. Uh, there's, listen, for all you guys out there and girls and everybody who wants to do something good. Listen, you can still do it while you're partying. That's what so Jason Kelsey says. So good well, stuff. It's, it's a Kelsey world. Well, how about you see what Travis did at uh at the match? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, he's he's like a sandbagger. He was hitting like 250 yard, you know, three irons. It's ridiculous. It's it's some duo, those two. And they won what I mean, he they got like 3.5 million meals for kids. So uh it's not really a lasso, but it's kind of a tag along with his brother. Those guys are doing good. 
yeah, heart's in the right place. This doesn't have anything to do, Toby, with perhaps a new addition to the house family, though. No, it? but <laughs> we 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 rescued a dog last week. Uh, she's a six-month-old Aussie doodle who we were just not going to keep the name Alana. Like, who names a dog Alana, by the way? Yeah, and, that's punchable. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I wish I wish we had as part of the pod the the hour long car ride of just trying to come up with names that between five people in a household it was hilarious oh, and then the heavens opened up the light shined through from God and it was very clear what the name had to be for this little girl what better name than Kelsey now it's a girl dog I, otherwise it would be Jalen I have to I have to ask the serious question Devante this question we need this recorded. Uh, as close to when it happened as possible, because this will still start Thanksgiving fights in the Nace family. Who actually named Kelsey? Who came up with it? it, it the name was nominated by yours truly. I, All right. I, came, I came up with the name Kelsey. What were, what were the other? The, uh, all of the other names were very related to New Orleans because I went to Tulane, my tool. Embiid. You know, uh, it was, you Bryce, know, it was a lot, it was a Jaylen, lot of things like Devante, like, Devante, like Marty Taylor, Nola or all these other things. Uh, but yes, when, if there, if we ever get a boy dog, there's a lot of great Philadelphia athletes waiting in the wings for a name. I don't know. Bryce could have been a female name. I don't know. Kelsey's perfect. Well, she is a perfect dog. We still have, you, you, you watch my cousin, Justin, our, our, one of our listeners, who will, if he wants to stir up a fight between me and my brothers, he says, hey, which one of you guys named Wendy? Because there's still a very uh, large dispute over who named our second dog when we were growing up. Who did name so, Wendy? I did, obviously. And who claims that that's not the case? Everybody else. Everybody <laughs> else. Literally everybody else in the family. Mom, you know, my dad, when he was around, he did it. My brothers, everybody, everybody. We, we had right. a Wendy. We had a Wendy. All right. Corgi. Who's got who's got uh, a, a buzzer beater? I've got I've got one. I'm going to go first, but so you guys start thinking about yours. But my buzzer beater is tomorrow's July 4th, and that can only mean one thing. Oh yeah, hot dog eating contest. Nathan's hot dog eating contest. The world's greatest. The first contest, according to some, that wasn't there. Was in 1916, but the official wow. record starts before the All Star game. Before the All Star yes, game. game. But the official <laughs> record is from 1972 at Coney Island. Um, and, you know, here's here's what we've got. Uh, entrants have to be under contract by Major League Eating to participate. Past champions and special MLE invitees can get into it. Uh, they can eat as they must eat as many Nathan's hot dogs in buns as they can. Within a 10 minute period, each contestant gets their own scorekeeper who notes the number of hot dogs eaten during the window. Water and other beverages are permitted. Thank God. Condiments are allowed, but they're usually not, not, uh, waste, not a good strategy. Time. Yep. Time. Um, and there's all sorts of penalties that can be issued for messy eating. There are, believe it or not, sudden death eat offs if there's a tie. Uh, the winner gets $10,000. Joey Chestnut, of course. Nobody's going to be Joey Chestnut. No. He's the top male champion of all time with 15 titles to his name. And he has a world record of eating 73 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 
He will have his own dedicated feed beginning at 1235 on July 4th. <laughs> oh, my God. As he and should. And, of course, Miko Sudo is the top female champion. She has eight titles to her name. What happened and to Black she has Widow? a world record for eating six hot dogs in one minute. Hmm. So she gets her own um, camera feed starting 11 a.m. on ESPN3. Uh, and so that's it. This is going to be on ESPN2. Um, God. And uh, let me see. I think that's it. I want to make sure I'm right about that, actually. What's the, what's the undercard this year? Oh, I don't need. I, I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they have one. Uh, the women's com- competition starts on ESPN app at ten forty five Eastern. The men's competition kicked off at noon on ESPN two and on the app. We so need there an eater. You go. We need an. We need a, a, a competitive eater on this pod. We need a. We need a guest to come on and eat a little bit and talk about it. Somebody with the MLE. I yeah, feel like somebody in the MLE. I feel like milk would actually be our best candidate for this. Oh, oh uh, you mean to to actually do an eating contest with him? Yeah, I mean, look at Joey Chestnut. He's right he's thin. Yes. He, you know, he doesn't. Yes. I think milk's our guy for this. All right, so don't miss it. Uh, this is a. I, I'll be recording it because I will be at a baseball game at noon tomorrow. Um, but. But I will certainly the, record it and come back. What are you going to record? You're going to watch them eating a dog one at a time. You're going to watch that on one. Well, it's at not a really time. one at a time. These guys don't eat one hot dog. <laughs> Double at a time. in their mouth. Kind of fucking amateur, are you? Jeez. God, I, I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah. The the the, the uh, hype man who leads up for Joey Chestnut is epic. You just need to watch. That's all I'm saying. Hey man, I mean Joey Chestnut is an American hero. So just watch watch him house don't don't mock it don't mock wow it. anybody else who's, who else has a buzzer beater i got i got a couple oh a couple okay so somebody who was uh maligned a couple weeks ago for failing to close the door at the u.s mm. Open, mr orange himself rooster even suggested maybe he shouldn't wear orange in the final round <laughs> did he ricky, did this week yeah ricky fowler came through finally and i mean i don't know if you guys watched it or not but it was it was a great finish. Uh, he was able to, he had a birdie 18 and he, I mean, he got really lucky. He hit the ball off the tee box in 18 in regulation, hit the, hit a tree and it came into the first cut. So he actually had ability to get the ball up and he put it like three feet, uh, you know, great shot to go into a playoff with Morikawa and Adam Hadwin. Uh, first hole, those guys were in the middle of the fairway. Ricky hit the ball. It was almost like, Mickelson at Wingfoot years ago. He hit it so far right, he hit it off like the uh, the, the stands. But he got an he got an amazing drop, hit the ball to about twelve thirteen feet. Um, Hadwin missed a pretty good uh, chance. Uh, Morikawa couldn't get couldn't uh, chip in, and then Fowler drained a twelve footer. Uh, and you could just see the relief on his face. It was it was it was fun to watch, and it's been fun watching him lately because he's been playing really well and this probably puts him on the Ryder Cup team which is what he really really cares about um perfect game this is more for Rooster since he's not Mm. not on uh Domingo German with the fourth oh yeah fourth Yankee perfect game and as Rooster three times the Yankees have pitched uh uh, uh, perfect games and three times they have won the World Series so Rooster feels like uh, the pattern will will be uh, predictable, and the Yankees will win the World Series. We obviously disagree, but um, first world first uh, perfect game since 2011. Uh, so you know you had 
what I what I did six perfect games in like four years we had yeah and then we go on a huge uh, dry spell and uh, finally get one. Hope, um, have you been to a perfect game? I have not. A bunch of my buddies went and saw Kenny Rogers' perfect game. House, have you been to a perfect game? I've been to a no hitter in the playoffs, but not a perfect game. I saw mm-hmm. Halliday do the no hitter against the Reds in the playoffs. Got it. Uh, have you been to any of these perfect games? Oh yeah. Which one? I was at Randy Johnson's on oh. May eighteenth at Atlanta. After my in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, the day after my birthday. Wow. Big unit. Yep. That's very cool. Yep. And and then final quick uh, buzzer beater. Wimbledon started today. Oh, uh, the Joker straight sets. Uh, what's interesting out. though about Wimbledon is somehow, some way, probably the least uh, favored number one seed, Carlos Alcatraz, uh, is the number one seed because he has still the number one ranking in the ATP. But no one, no one in their right mind thinks he's the favorite to win. The Joker should probably shred his opponents and uh, take home another Wimbledon title. I got to go back and add a punchable face now after our, on our July 4th, uh, evening before July 4th episode, Pope talks tennis in tennis. Wimbledon. In well, Wimbledon, to, to, didn't we beat, didn't we, didn't we kick those people out of our country so we could <laughs> not have to worry about them? And you bring up Wimbledon. Unbelievable. <laughs> How speaking of countries that are screwing us, I'm going to talk a little Canadian sports right now. Uh, once the smoke clears. Oh boy, Moose Jaw. I, oh. I, I think we will be able to look back. I really believe this. I think we'll be able to look back in a few years and say that this draft period that we just finished, uh, the NBA and the NHL brought in two players that really were generational and in some ways transformed the league. I, I think we've already talked last week about Wemba Yama to the Spurs. Connor Bedard, you know, we've had this happen a couple of times when players came up. Um, but this Connor Bedard that Moose told us about when we asked last year, like, who's the one to look out for? He he told us that he's truly generational. And the, the Blackhawks got him. It should transform their organization. So everything's going to be about Connor Bedard. But one thing that I was noticing when I was – there's nothing – I can't think of any sport that comes close to – the family ties in the NHL. There were a bunch of kids that were drafted who are the sons of fathers who played earlier in the NHL, like Mike Knubel, who played for the Flyers, and Radic Bonk, who played for the Ottawa Senators. Both their kids were were drafted. Uh, the son of the the coach of the of the Minnesota Wild was drafted. There was a year a few years ago that fourteen sons were drafted of fathers in a single year. I think that's kind of cool. That's like when cool. you're out there and you know, you've played the sport and all everything that gets into it. And then raising that kid and going to all those games from the time they were young, watching those kids get drafted was pretty cool. And I, some of us were watching the draft and texting about it. The NHL is, is pretty unique. Uh, you know, they bring a whole team up on stage and these kids are really, really good well-spoken young young kids like they're all 18 years old and they got these baby face but they're huge huge kids they're hockey players so it was it was it was cool so by the by the third or fourth generation hockey player in a family are they born just without like missing certain people all right anybody else have a, have a buzzer beater anything else guys 
Happy July 4th, everybody. Happy July Independence 4th. Day. Hey, everybody, do listening. something and actually read the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. Take take a few minutes and read it. You can find it online. It'll be great. All right, have a great July 4th, everyone watching baseball. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay. And he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.